speak might not make you intelligent but we're gonna try to prove otherwise this is the clashing sabers podcast i am one of your hosts brandon boylan and with me is my co-host drew brett how are you doing brandon i am great and you know it it feels kind of cramped in the studio here today i'm feeling like i don't have any room to move around why is that oh we may have picked up a pathetic life form or two maybe (laughs) ladies and gentlemen wait so before we introduce these guests we have to say, we're talking The Phantom Menace today, and we normally do top three, bottom three when it comes to uh, Clashing Sabers, and, and we were planning on doing that for all of the movies, and we're going to do that for all of the movies leading into episode nine. But starting with The Phantom Menace, and since it is the 20th anniversary of the film, we, we called Audible, and we said, you know what, let's just focus on the good stuff about this movie. People talk about the bad stuff, we're going to focus on the good stuff, and when you're looking at the good stuff for The Phantom Menace, you have to look to these two people in particular. One of them is the love child between Poe Dameron and Darth Maul, ladies and gentlemen, Miss Katie Horn. I appreciate the cheering, but honestly, I'm just mostly insulted that you said my name without Duel of the Fates in the background. It, uh, it offends me. We'll edit that in. We'll we'll yeah, oh yeah, it's it's going to happen. Don't you worry. Don't you worry, your pretty little heart. It, it's going to happen. <laughs> there will be. There it's will what be I deserve. Yes. I, you know what? I'm not even going to do it behind. I'm going to do it like in there right before I introduce you. So it's like your entrance music. Oh, I love it. Yes. And then, ready, here, cut to break. We're going to go to Qui-Gon's Noble End. And, ladies and gentlemen, Jedi Brian himself, Brian Balance. Always remember, your focus determines your reality. Hello, I'm bummed now. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry you had to have Qui-Gon's Noble End, but there's not really much else named after Qui-Gon, so. I mean, you're right, you're right. Got it. Little, little, little tiny Anakin is looking at you all like, "What will happen to me now?" Exactly. Exactly. We're taking you back to Tatooine. I'm so sorry. Going to work. Why did I pick Qui Gon? The social worker wouldn't let us keep you. That's right. That's right. Liability. (laughs) Yes. Hi, everyone. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on, and uh, I want to apologize ahead of time. Welcome aboard. Yeah. <laughs> Just uh, know what you asked for. <laughs> <laughs> so we literally have the world's biggest Darth Maul fan and the world's biggest Qui-Gon Jinn fan on this episode Pat. for the Phantom Menace. Who else could you ask for? And it's true. Because we'll we fight at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we both it does not go well away. for Brian. Spoiler alert. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's going to be our outro. Brandon. It's just going to be the video montage of you two fighting. It'll be Brandon standing behind a pink laser beam just going, no! 
<laughs> why is my voice so high pitched? What? <laughs> Am I twelve? To Photoshop our faces, and I want the clip where Qui Gon like backhands Darth Maul with his fist. The best part of the whole fight. It's oh just my a god! It's like, boom! Like he's got a lightsaber, and he's like, "Let's get, let's get real here for a second. I really like how Darth Maul. He's like walking backwards. He's just done a backflip, and he's all like, "Crap! I have to open this door. I know." And he throws a droid at it, and the door. The door yeah, do, do, how else would you so open good. doors? Let's be I honest. That's how I open automatic doors in real life now. So <laughs> hey, droids at them? That's terrible. <laughs> if they're around, you better believe it. <laughs> I can't go anywhere without my door open and droid. <laughs> <laughs> I just carry a soccer ball that I've painted like a droid and just <laughs> a little BB eight, you just throw yeah. it. <laughs> You're right. You're right. I took a droid decal, smashed it. And I was like, you're going to be my door opener now. (laughs) (laughs) The greeter at Walmart just stares oddly. (laughs) But doesn't say anything because he's a greeter at Walmart and he doesn't really care. He the greeters, actually, yeah, when the, when the greeters at Walmart see me coming, that's when they like pull out the boom boxes and start playing Duel of Fates because they know. (laughs) But if they don't, I'll just stand outside the doors and wait. For me, they just grab their foreheads. It's weird. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. You know what's great yeah, about podcasts right. is I, I finally got to find out that I'm not the only one who waves his hand still as he goes through automatic doors. Right. Do you guys do that? How are you going to open? There's no handles. I mean, come on. It's that's how I, I was pretty sure that's how like Star Wars fans recognize each other in the wild. It's just like. True. We're just gonna, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just like we lurk around corners and wait, you know, for other people to walk in. And if you see them wave their hand at the door, you're like, oh, they're one of us. Ah. Quick. It's true. If you think I haven't said you're welcome to people behind me, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Star Wars Celebration is. It's just a long line of people <laughs> trying to open the door. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody actually makes it to a panel. That's right. It's using the force for the outside doors, and every time you walk out of an elevator, you just go, prepare my ship, and then keep walking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's a great moment. God, I love Kylo Ren. But we're not talking about Kylie Ren today. We're talking about The Phantom Menace. And since we have so many of us on here and we want to spend as much time as we can really digging into this movie and just talking about how amazing, amazing this film is, we are going to go ahead and jump right into it. And Drew, let's start with you. What is your number three for The Phantom Menace? Oh, man, this is so uncharacteristic of me. Um... (laughs) Starting with the positive is... Yeah. Yeah, it feels. I'm just like I'm leaning close. Feels bad. (laughs) I'm leaning close, and I'm like, say something nice about the Phantom Menace. Say it. Uh, Say it. uh, (laughs) Surround sound. That's cool. That is true. It was Um, nominated for an Oscar for sound editing. So. I mean, like, if you you can't think of anything else, you can always just default on, like, that part where Jabba bites off the head of something and uses it to ring a gong. God, that's great. That's that's the universal (laughs) crowd pleaser right there. My headcanon? I do that as well. My headcanon is that's that uh, that creature from Resistance. The little frog-like creature. Yes, the gorg. Oh, man. That's awesome. I like when he just flicks one off the edge because he can. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's great. Okay, all right, all right. He falls asleep in the sun because he's just like, uh, I'm bored. He's just takes a little relatable. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to give you, all right, number three. And so this is our, our top things, the, the things we appreciate about the Phantom Menace the most. Um, number three, uh, I'm going to go with the extended version of the Padres. 
Ooh. Yes. Good one. I think that the pod racing sequence is one of the, the most well put together sections of the entire film. I think it does a great job of explaining what the stakes are, where everyone is in the race. Um, it, you really get a sense of the speed and the danger and the collateral damage and the natural danger on Tatooine all in this tightly structured pack. I think it's it fits so well and there's nothing like it in the rest of the movie. And I think if you could you could like take that section out and it would be its own thing and that would be phenomenal. Um, it should have been a racing movie. Why wouldn't they just do a racing movie? Why didn't they just start at the beginning? That would have been great. Days of Thunder but with pod racing. I, I think that would have been great. Um, my favorite racer. That's uh, very fast. It's very dangerous. My <laughs> favorite pod that. racer is probably Malhonic. I think he's um, the most fun. Um, second to him has got to be Gascano. That's I'm going to go on record. Those are my two favorite ones, and it's probably because I played the N64 game so much that those are the only two I can remember. Yes, <laughs> Ben oh, Quadraneros. Like, I'm fiving you right now. Yes, Ben Quadraneros. No, yes, Woody no, Munch. Ben Quadraneros <laughs> bought his pod racer like the day before the race. He's one of those one percenters who tries to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he doesn't know what he's doing. He deserves what he got. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so very passionately was, about Ben Quadraneros, and it's not in a good way. I was like, I was weirdly attached to Obi Montrell growing up because <laughs> uh, he's the one where, like, where the pit droid goes through his engine and comes out the other side all dizzy. I just thought that was really cool. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's a good move. And the pottery still holds up. Say that again? I said the pod race what? still holds up. Okay. Oh, yeah. 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 Right. 1,000%. I, and I think it's because it's all of a piece. Like it's yeah. all done in, you know, computer generated images. It's, it's, it's all in the same environment. There's very few shots that have like live people. And, and, and those shots of live people kind of, they do take you out of it. Like the sequ- there's a couple shots of Anakin where you see the red dot flashing across his glasses or his goggles or whatever. And that's actually something that's coming from behind the camera. That's like one of those angle things that somebody left on, like a laser sighting. It shouldn't actually be there, which is a little bit sad. And when they when they cut to when they cut to like Shmi and the gang watching on the the precursor to the iPad, I suppose is what that that is. Um, <laughs> nobody looks like they're terribly invested. Nobody looks like they actually care about what's going on. They're just kind of like, oh man, that looks uncomfortable, dude. A guy just died like there are fatalities to this race it has a body count at the in fact anakin's the only one who finishes the race yeah yeah sure so you gotta win how you gotta win you know (laughs) (laughs) like how is this a thing like it's 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 mind-boggling but i think it's it's probably it's definitely my favorite sequence within the film um, you can keep your duels of the fates and you can keep your Gungan battles on the planes. You guys can go crazy. I'll, I'll let you enjoy those, but I'll leave me the pot race. That's, that's my number three. Deal. Give me your hottest take about Foden bead. <laughs> oh man. Um, I had, I remember seeing this when, when it first came out being in eighth grade, I had just found, found out what, whose line is it anyway? Was. Oh, yeah. So I could, I heard the, the voice and I was like, that's, that's Greg Proust. I know who that is. That's a real person. <laughs> and it sucked the magic right out of that oh, moment. I was really? Like, oh, oh, dang. Oh, I, I love like, Foden Bean. Well, it's, I it's got what I asked for. Food. I asked for your hottest take. Dang. 
when you when you watch a movie and you're like, I know who that is, and then you can't disassociate that other character, and now suddenly you're watching Dragonheart, but it's the voice of James Bond <laughs> as a dragon. It's a good point. Very, yeah. very difficult to extract, and some people are like that more than others. And Greg Proops has the most recognizable voice on the planet. You know, it's an ever type of character. It was a great idea in concept. Well, let me take that back. It wasn't a great idea in concept. What's up? Oh no! What about the way Floated Bean like leans back and goes? It's so good. (laughs) So good. <laughs> okay. Oh, I, I'll give you. I'll see your ridiculous little job of the hut worship, and I'll, I'll, I will trade it for the moment where, towards the end of the race, where the other head goes, "Boonga the boonga," and the other one goes, "They're side by side, like they're translating for each other." That was. Oh, good. So good. I'm That's down good. with that. Um, I love That's it. Good. That's good. Oh, I, was down with. I don't care what galaxy you're from. Let's gotta hurt. <laughs> Oh man, that's so bad. It's just- oh no, it's so Star Wars. It's very on brand no, for Star Wars. No, it's just like no. Yeah, it's great. Imagine imagine if they had used that line in A New Hope when like Porkin's X-wing exploded if Wedge Antilles was like, I don't care what galaxy you're from. No. No. Uh, I mean, I love it. They could have used some levity in that scene. Classic. <laughs> you know. He could have. Wedge is the greatest pilot of all time. Wedge is awesome. You're right. You're right. He is the hero of the rebellion. Uh, he's the only also one that can do it. Hera, <laughs> but I'll give it to you. So, Katie, let's jump right, to you. Katie, Katie okay. go for it. You're number three. <laughs> My number three of things that I really enjoy about this movie. I don't know. This one might be might be too hot. It might might start a fire. I don't know. I'm here for it. I swear if it's Seattle, you're done. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. Oh, my God. (laughs) I I really like midichlorians, you guys. Me too. Yes. I really like midichlorians. Same. Same, 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 same. (laughs) You know what I think about when I think of midichlorians? What do you think about when you think about midichlorians? (laughs) (laughs) When I was a young boy. So at Celebration 6, there was a panel uh-huh. uh, with the robot chicken guys for detours, right? Yeah. And, oh, they really oh, didn't wow. like the Aquarians. Like, they were There's really flashback. Like no, no, they didn't. Uh. Well, yeah, but it's a specific memory, guys. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they had uh, Matt Senreich and Seth Green up there. And somebody talked about uh, when they first started working with George Lucas on the robot chicken specials way back when or whatever. And I guess they got familiar enough with him to where they were friends. And one day, Seth Green goes in and he goes, So, George, uh, Midichlorians? Really? And he says, the next three hours, he's like, how much do you know about molecular biology? They're like, oh, oh, not a whole lot. Oh, <laughs> and, oh and they said, uh, three hours later, they're like, oh, no, he's right. Yeah, midichlorians. I get it. Totally. Wow. Hmm. <laughs> so, so I always funny. think about that now that, like, George was like, uh, what do you know about, like, microbiology? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's so That's good. Awesome. Oh, what yeah, so what I, was, I really... What I really like about them, and I guess a part of it is nostalgic goggles, because when Qui-Gon sits down or kneels down to, to Anakin and, and talks to him about it, you know, Anakin, he, mm-hmm. he very, very, you know, uh, honestly and openly says, what is it? And then you know, Qui-Gon's like, well, let's talk about it. 
I felt when, when I watched that scene, I felt like Qui-Gon Jinn was talking to me and I felt that same sense of awe and, and wonder that, that I had felt when I, you know, when I heard Yoda talk to Luke about, about the force and, you know, how life creates, it makes it grow. And when, Qui-Gon Jinn was looking at Anakin and saying that it lives inside you and within all living things. I, I felt that same sense of wonder. I felt so much bigger than myself because the same things that live in me exist within all living things. And in Star Wars, that's immense. That's crazy. There's so many planets and there's so many people that look so weird and alien. You know, they have like 10 eyes and four arms, you know, and, and you know, not just people, but then the the rocks and the trees and, and the plants, if something that exists in them, all of that also exists in me. And I thought that was so cool. And, and mm. so when people started criticizing it, I just, that never resonated with me because I felt kind of the, the, the bigger intent behind that, that moment, you know? So, well, that's really, really like interesting because yeah. like a lot of people, their complaint about midi-chlorians is it made it feel too sciencey, which my argument is that like, yeah, that's the point. It feels too sciencey because they were, the, the, the Jedi were depending on science more than they were depending on their faith. But back to, to kind of your angle on it, a lot of people took the impression of, well, if you have to have a certain number of midi-chlorians, then you can't be Luke. It's not just that anybody can be a Jedi, um, which was was kind of how they felt about the original trilogy. So I, I find it really interesting that you have that same feeling uh, with regards to the prequel trilogy and the midichlorians. Hmm. Have, well, you, see, have you heard me... Dave Filoni talk about that? Like the, the disconnect between the generations about the Force? See, like... I, I, okay, real quick. <laughs> what, what I took away from that, what... What always boggles me is when people equate midichlorians to like a power level because I'm like, where, where does Qui-Gon or Obi-Wan for that matter ever say that it's a power level? That's never said. I think that's something people read into it. That's something people read into it because we're used to thinking about Star Wars as a video game. You know, we're used to thinking about leveling up our powers, you know, and, and, oh, one day I'll be, my, you know, character will be able to do bigger and cooler things because I'm leveling up. I don't see it as a power level. I see it as nothing more or less than what Qui-Gon says and that the thing that exists within all of us and whispers to us the will of the Force whispers most strongly to Anakin, the Chosen One. Yeah. You know, that's that's what I get from it's it. A it's a capacity level. A Sure, sure. You yeah. know, capacity, not capability. And, and, and like I think about, um, you know, myself as a teacher, you, you test mm-hmm. for GT really young. And then once that student is labeled GT, they're GT like forever. Like they can't mm-hmm. not become GT. And you test in like kindergarten. And I've had GT mm-hmm. students who literally consistently score 40s. And it's not because like they're the bored GT students. They just literally can't do the work. And then I've mm-hmm. had some kids who were really struggling but they put in the work and really became super successful so i think that that there's something there where you could have this great capacity and still waste that talent um or you could just have just a a, a minuscule amount of like what everybody would say you need to be successful you know the midichlorians and still overcome that brian i want to jump back to you because you were mentioning dave filoni and my ears perked up so So, oh, yes. yeah. So the, the midi-chlorians thing, like, I mean, they do make it a point that, you know, no Jedi has over 20,000. Like, it is significant, the amount of midi-chlorians that Anakin has, which leads 
Qui-Gon to believe he is the chosen one. Sure, but um, like when, when Obi-Wan says, what does that mean? Qui-Gon doesn't answer. It means he's super more powerful than everybody. He says, right? <laughs> I don't know. Exactly, exactly. Because yeah. like no, he even says no life form has. Mm-hmm. It's not even like, oh, there's crate dragons on Tatooine. It's like they've got a ton because they're this powerful, whatever they can do. There's different levels of Jedi. But this is like, this kid is made of them. It's not like a symbiote. It's not a symbiote anymore. It's like the main deal, you know what I mean? Which mm-hmm. led him he's to go down drinking the from the, He's drinking <laughs> from the midichlorian tap. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understood the disconnect between the people who were kids when the originals came out when the when they saw the prequels. Because I've talked to a few people and they say, like, with the originals, they were like, okay, the Force is in all of us, therefore I could be this, like you said. And then mm-hmm. midichlorians came around like, oh, there's, there's a test, like there's a blood test that you can take to see if you have or not. And it felt, uh, some people felt that made it exclusive. But I like how Dave Filoni has talked about it, where he mentioned that midichlorians and the midichlorian count is almost like aptitude, where like anyone can throw a punch, not everyone's Bruce Lee. You know what I mean? Like with mm-hmm. cultivation and with training at the Jedi Temple, you learn to build up that thing and like it becomes a true symbiotic relationship where Anakin just thought he could see things a little quicker, didn't realize he was using the force to see things before they happen. And that's why he appeared to have such quick reflexes, you know what I mean? Where he's like, oh, I just, I just have quicker reflexes. I'm the only human that can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas with training and whatnot, you build that up and then you grow. And uh, I always, I always kind of like, yeah, I really like midichlorians. I think it's yeah. neat. And the symbiotic mm-hmm. life forms that, uh, you know, tell you the will of the force, you know? And that's like, that, that's another thing where the Jedi kind of uh, got into their sort of routine by this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're at the point where, like, you know, uh, he's too old. You know, what are we going to do? Like, rule number four has to be under five years old. And he's nine. <laughs> Sorry, man, I can't do it. And Qui-Gon's like, over 20,000. And they're like, rule number four. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it becomes like this thing. But I, I agree. I think it's a great moment. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of Midichlorians. Yeah, it just adds yeah. a level to, like, it's like it explains it, but it also doesn't. Yeah, right? it, it like yeah. it explains the number, but it doesn't say exactly what that means. It says they're symbiotic life forms, but like, where do they come from? How do they interact? How do you know? And then you get to like the lost missions in Clone Wars. You're like, I don't even know what's going on. Uh, yeah, I was just, thinking exactly it's just that. Awesome. It's yeah. like it, 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 some people take it as an explanation, but in reality, it's like also not. It just adds a level. We know they're we know they're symbiotes, but we don't know anything else. You know what I mean? It's like a cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's like an explanation, but not an explanation that adds further mystery to it, in my opinion. As it, that's, I'll kind of jump in because that's kind of what, what bothers me about it, is that mm-hmm. it's, an, it's an, an attempt to explain what the Force really is and how it actually works, but it, it doesn't actually answer any questions. It actually creates more, more questions and more issues and more concerns. Uh, in, in the original trilogy, where it was more mystical, where it was much much more spaced out and it didn't have a definition, that was okay because it was based more on kind of the religion influences and, and Lucas' life and whatnot. And it was kind of sure. – it was more personal. It was more spiritual and it allowed each person to have their own relationship with the Force. But now when you can put it on like a mathematical scale – and I think that's kind of the issue. I think – that if they had, if the Phantom Menace had used the the issue of a high midichlorian count as the driving force for the plot, like if you had started the movie five minutes before that conversation and made that and developed it out and let it breathe and really dig into it and have those conversations, if you had put that on the screen, 
we wouldn't have the same, you wouldn't have had as much negative reaction, I think, as you would, because you would have given it time to answer some of those questions. But it, it's kind of like, how does hyperspace work? Because you see it in the original trilogy. Imagine if they had said in the Phantom Menace, somebody said, how do, we, how do you travel from planet to planet? Oh, we slip into the hyperspace plane. I'm sorry, what? Oh, it's a, it's a parallel existing universe, and it's a lot shorter, and that's how the hyperdrives work. And they moved on. People would be like, what are you freaking talking about? <laughs> and yet that's, that's the in-universe explanation right. for that kind of thing. But in, this, in those kinds of source materials, they're given time to develop it and flesh it out, and it has a lot more life that way. And I, I feel like the ancillary materials to this movie helped do that. It would have been great if they had continued it within the films themselves. Like, you never hear about it in Attack of the Clones. You don't hear about it in Revenge of the Sith. Like, two parts where you would have really talked about, hey, Anakin's the chosen one. What makes you think he was the chosen one? Well, he does all these things. He had the high midichlorian count. He was found doing this. You know, he has all these pieces of evidence. And then that helps, you know, when you can really support the foundation of why he's an important person in universe, it makes his fall a little bit more important, a little bit more tragic and how powerful the dark side is. And I think that's kind of where it, it gets jumbled up. It's like you lose a lot of that when you try and explain it in this way and don't do a sufficient job of doing that. Now, I like Katie. Uh, Katie, I love what you said and how you, you know, it makes you feel like it lives in everything. And what's special about him is what's special about you. And you have that same kind of that special spark, what makes you interesting and, 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 and allows you the same access and connection to the force as anybody else. That's an awesome interpretation. I think you can find that within what Yoda teaches Luke on Dagobah. And you don't even need the midichlorian information to do that. Like sure. how much, so here's my question and, and, and I'm not breaking it down. I'm not putting no, it on yeah. the spot. Mm-hmm. How does the existence of the midichlorian information expand upon what Yoda taught Luke? Oh, I got this. Okay. <laughs> so, right. So the force, right. All, all life, you know, there's two sides of it. You know, there's the light and the dark, uh, you know, Lucas plays around with the idea of machine and man, you know, these things that are opposites, but in fact make up a whole, correct? You, sure. as a person, you're spirit, but you're also flesh. You know, you're these two things that are opposite, but actually make up a whole. The, the force, you know, if it is spirit, why can it not also be flesh? There is a biological, living, breathing counterpart to that, that makes up a whole. And that's midichlorians. That's something on a base microscopic level that connects me physically to the world around me. You know what I mean? The way the force connects me spiritually to the world around me. Does that make sense? That's how it I does. see it. Yeah. Can, can like you it. square that? Can you square that with when Yoda says luminous beings, are we not this crude matter? Well, for me, that means we're not just our crude matter. We can okay. exist beyond our crude matter. You know, we, I think, you know, without the crude matter, what's, what's the point? We are made flesh for a reason. You know, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, when, when he's all like, you're, you're only looking at what is, you're only looking at the physical in front of you. When Luke sees that ship, you know, and he sees it sink, he only, he only sees the size of it. He only sees the physical. And Yoda's saying, you need to see more than that. I don't think he's mm-hmm. saying to the exclusion of the physical, you know? Sure. Yeah. I agree with, I agree that's, with that. That's a good point. And, I, mm-hmm. and so then the last element that I want to ask about is how do we, how do we, um, how do we, well, I don't know the right word, but you've got force ghosts, which are sure. manifestations of the person's force talent yes. without a corporeal form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So if the, if the midichlorians speak to us and tell us the will of the force, how does mm-hmm. that work with the force ghost? This is something I've never understood from season six, by the way. Easy. Well, it's like, yeah, because the, the flesh, yeah, you know, your your flesh has expired, but your spirit lives Midi- on. Midichlorians are not the force. Yeah, they're not the force. They're just a side of it, an aspect of it. They're not, they're not, yeah, they're not trying to explain what the force is. They're explaining an aspect of it. Yes, right. And I understand help the person understand the force more, but the midi mm-hmm. themselves are not. It's like a they're they're the middle person in the call. Like you have yeah. that's my point. Tell you if you, the if you take that, but if you take that connection out, because it only mm-hmm. exists within the physical body, if it only exists within the blood, and you sure. no longer have that access, can the force ghost understand the will of the force at that point? I think if the force ghost becomes If a person needs midichlorians, yeah, a person. person okay, that might yeah. be how it works. Okay, if because yeah. if a person needs the midichlorians in order to understand what the force is trying to tell it, yeah, do does the shedding of the mortal coil then? remove yeah. that barrel. I, so. I, right I think so. I think the body needs the midichlorians to, to feel, you know, that that's the physical side of the force. But then, you know, when your body expires, you don't need those midichlorians because you're, you know, you're one with <laughs> the spiritual right. side of things. It's true. Well, oh, yeah. look at, uh, yeah, from so a certain point that. of view, the, mm-hmm. the Claudia Gray chapter with, uh, yeah. you know, when you, the first, like, uh, in that bit, you see Qui-Gon as a force ghost. And there's a section where he's talking about Obi-Wan is about to go, you know, recruit Luke because Luke just left and he's going to find Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru dead. And there's a part when he says, like, you know, Obi-Wan thinks he has a lot of time left. He doesn't realize it yet because Qui-Gon is existing outside of time. Mm-hmm. He sees the future. He sees what's going on as well. He knows Obi-Wan is nearing the end of his life. Uh, so mm-hmm. in that sense, the Force ghost is a part of the Force as opposed to the physical being using the midichlorians to understand the will of the force and try to act accordingly. Boom! Drop the mic. Yeah. No, 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 no. Like that makes sense. That right? Because but, uh, but yeah, I I feel feel like like <laughs> the second yeah, I sat yeah. with it, I was like, I know what I'm trying to say, but words well, and, don't work. Yeah. It, um, no, I, I get you. Uh, there's kind of there's that, con- that that concept exists within modern religion as well. You know, for in sure. the Christian faith, there is you know we we hear living here on Earth now, we relate to God through prayer and through reading His Word. For sure. um, but we, we don't see him completely. Like there's this, this there's this veil over our face like Moses wears. And then one day when we see Jesus face to face, you know, all of that falls away and we get to experience him in his full glory. There's there's a, a, a deeper connection that is simply not possible on this earth. So Absolutely. I get what you're saying. What you're so I understand that. I, I appreciate you guys' point of view. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, you don't yeah, you don't have to. All right, Brian, That's let's so jump cool. to what you like. Let's jump to your number three. <laughs> Okay, um, so as we all know, uh, show notes, I don't know what that means. So I don't have a, a list of like one, two, and three. I just have three moments, and I'm just going to I'm just gonna pick one. I'm going to close my Perfect. eyes and, and touch the paper and see what happens. Um, okay, we have, uh, obviously, Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon's uh, my favorite thing about all of Star Wars. Uh, yep. So definitely, <laughs> definitely episode one. But if I were to be more specific about it, uh, my favorite line in all of Star Wars, that is like EU books, comics, movies, video games, every piece of Star Wars material, my favorite line in all of it is your focus oh, determines so your reality. So good. And dude, when, I, so good. when I saw this movie at eight years old, that line to this day like has stuck with me. I think about it all the time because like eight-year-old Brian was watching this movie and 
<laughs> a good majority of what Qui-Gon said, I was like, wow, what is this? Like I was getting, I was, I was getting the truth from this movie, you know, <laughs> and uh, that, that line really changed my life because I, I still think about it to this day. And like the idea that your focus determines your reality. If you put your mind to something and you just, you are determined by it and you put the work in and you're like, this is, this is what I want to make a reality. It really is possible. And that works on both ends of the spectrum. You know, if you're focusing on horrible things all the time, horrible things will inevitably happen to you because it's what you're thinking of. And it's like when you're riding a motorcycle, your eyes show what direction you go to. It's like you look left and the bike will start going left. You know, it's it's the same sort of way with like perception and focus. So when your focus determines your reality, even as a kid, I was like, these are things that I want to do. I focused on them and it made it more attainable. Um, Also, like this line... Everything within the context of the scene was really impactful uh, because you've got Qui-Gon on a platform talking to Anakin and he gets down on one knee and he's looking at him like a person. And as eight-year-old Brian is watching this, uh, (laughs) it was like he was talking to me because I'm Anakin's age. And this guy is talking to me on the same level. You know, he wasn't like offhandedly like, oh, it's this, whatever. And Anakin's like, I should probably write that down. It's like, no, here's, here's a lesson I'm imparting to you Keep this. This will help you throughout the rest of your life. And I can confirm it does. So, uh, yeah, that's that's that that Qui-Gon more broadly, but more specifically, that line is a a highlight. And I think that line has another element to it, right? Like you're you were speaking to kind of like focusing on something to be able to achieve it. But the way I interpret it is, is more so like. You, if you're going to focus on the negative stuff, like you're going to see nothing but the negative stuff, and that's going to become your reality. Um, and if you focus on the positive stuff, that's absolutely become your reality, right? And I think that's what oh, what I totally that's exactly what, what happened to Anakin, Anakin exactly. Too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's a good piece of foreshadowing. You can't shake any of that stuff. It's one of those yep. things oh, in Star Wars. It seems like really simple. Oh yeah, your focus determines your reality. But then as you as you dig more into it, it uh it has a lot of layers to it. Yeah, it that that one sense. is definitely one yep. I have to repeat to myself a lot sometimes as a teacher. Um, so <clears throat> jumping to oh, yeah. uh, my number three, <laughs> we're going to talk for a minute about the the most perfect thing in this movie, the complete and utter total angel that is Shmi Skywalker. I... See, see, through a curveball. Are you an angel? Uh, I think, I think Shmi is important because we have so few mother figures in this saga, and she needs to be given a lot of credit. Uh, I think the way that she raises Anakin is spot on. He's he's so pure and good, and and despite having every excuse to be an angry youth, he's not. Um, he's giving and caring and everything. Agreed. And I, I really would like to, not right now uh, necessarily, but I think there are some connections that could be made and some discussions that could be had about the connection between Shmi and Briha, uh, Leia's adoptive mother. And I think that would be really interesting Aww. because Ooh, those like really are the two mother characters that we have. Um, and Brew. Yes, but, <laughs> that's a Brew. Yes, that's, that's an, an ant, ant character. character that's mean, true. No, no, no. She she raised Alma. <laughs> She's not even really related. Wow, throwing Ooh. shade at Brew. Uh, <laughs> hey, I adopted Luke. It's not a blood relationship. Don't boo me for that. I mean, I'll give you plenty of stuff to boo later. You're right. <laughs> 
Drew is right. <laughs> he's a he's technically Ugh, a step. The nephew. worst. Oh. Um, <laughs> Shit. <those> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. No wonder uh, Owen's mad. He's like, I gotta raise my two out of three step nephews are (laughs) evil. Yeah. (laughs) I want to believe. I want to believe. So you know, Anakin goes off to you know find his mother, and he leaves you know Padme there for like a day and a half. And I want to believe that like maybe Padme was like awful, like you know, like she was breaking stuff and just being really rude, putting her feet up on the table. And then when it's all like, oh, you have to raise her son, you know, Owen was like, no. Never uh, her, her, her kid. Uh. The, the lady with the stomach showing her. Oh, the she's worst. terrible. God. Yeah. Well, she was a queen. Uh, she probably <laughs> all the way, hand on foot on her. Yeah. <laughs> she starts asking, like, "Do you have Do you have a blanket?" They're like, "Blankets." We're in the Bring me my milk, <laughs> Exactly. She's asking for like very easy accomodations. They're like, "Oh, Miss Miss." Goody two shoes. blankets. Who do you think we are? <laughs> exactly. There's two suns. It's 170 degrees. <laughs> yeah. I can't. Oh, <laughs> We're letting you become blue cheese. Just wait. Uh, no, she yeah. was just like she was out there, like looking at the sirens, like like Luke. Right. He's like, now we know where Luke got it from. Oh man. <laughs> Techniques you carry on with you later on in life. He's his mother's son. That's right. (laughs) She just swings straight from the bottle. (laughs) The blue milk runs down her chin. (laughs) Oh, Padme. Padme, look at yourself. (laughs) Have some respect. (laughs) I'm so sorry, Padme. I love you. All right. Drew, uh, before we, we uh, get too far <laughs> off the rails, did you have anything else on Shmi? Nothing else on Shmi? No. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, the 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 final thing I think just to wrap it up is I think that if the situation had been different and Anakin had been allowed to have communication with his mother, um, which by the way I think Qui Gon would have allowed him to have, whether the council knew about it or not. Oh, one hundred percent. Yes. Yep. Huh. Then I think we <laughs> avoid all of this stuff. He wanted to bring Shmi with them. He tried oh, he to get her out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think even just something as simple as like having communication with her, right? Like, so I look at my life and for a few years, like my mom and I didn't talk. And there was always this this thing that just irritated me about it. And we've gotten back to talking. We have a relationship that's better than ever. And like, I, I value that, right? And I look at what Anakin had and he didn't have all these issues right like he started where I'm at now which is a great relationship with his mother and then was ripped into the reverse of what I had where everything kind of went down and then for that I mean it's completely understandable like she she doesn't even get to finish an attack of the clones saying I love you you know and and I think that's really really important um and and Jeez. very tragic which we'll get to at attack of the clones and particularly revenge of the sith as we get on the into those movies but uh yeah shmi is just amazing and uh we need shmi a star wars story i agree <gasps> that'd be so good i want to see what? her as like one of those like force acolytes like Baze and chirrut or like uh uh, uh lyra you know lyra lyra or so like oh, yeah. oh my gosh Ah, Shmi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. More Shmi. 
Yes. Well, like she instills <laughs> so many good lessons inside of Anakin. I think it would be so cool if we find out that she did like study the force the way, you know, those acolytes did, you know, before she was sold into slavery and that those, you know, those kind of Jedi teachings were what she passed down to him, you know? Mm, that would be pretty cool. Be so so I would, I, I would want to cut it backwards, where she's a total denier, and she's like, "The force is a bunch of a bunch of lies and and tricks and nonsense like that." And then she get then she gets pregnant for a reason she can't explain, and she has to come to terms with that. Ooh, that could be really compelling. I like that all of be... this. <laughs> yeah, and uh, then... <laughs> I like I like it better if she is accepting of the force and likes the force and isn't like. It, 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 I want her to be a willing participant in this whole, like, uh, you know, um, you know, Anakin's conception thing is what I'm what I'm leaning. Well, towards. But it could, it could be a situation, not necessarily where she's like super hardcore against it, you know, sure. um, as much as Han, but maybe where she's like she's heard of it and she just kind of like, mm, I don't know about that. Uh, you know, it, Very Han it possibly way. like there's I just there's I, I some would want, I would point want to her it. to find out that she's pregnant and instead of being horrified or like, how did this happen and have to like frown about it for a while? I would prefer her to find out that she's pregnant and be like it's a miracle like from day one oh yeah like, yeah no i think that would yeah <laughs> that could be like the final thing that she's like this thing is real and then you know yeah yeah story continues on where she's a full you, believer you all right Drew, let's circle that's great <laughs> <laughs> cotton candy and rainbows <laughs> on tattooing drew let's circle back around to you for your number two okay is it me again um, oh no who is it again sorry it's no, drew uh, sorry drew me, sorry <laughs> um, <laughs> you just step on your toes Get in line. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. doesn't wait. How dare you? <laughs> How did Gee, you know there are rules? <laughs> um, no, the, I, the only rule I know is the rule of two. <laughs> oh, that's Gosh. a good one. There's Walked your moment. That. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, my number two thing, the one of the things I, that I – like and take out of this one is some of the short lines that become pretty iconic um, and that have worked uh, worked their way into like everyday conversation by accident um, in my life. Um, I, I use not by a long shot way more often than is appropriate. But and most of the time I'll do it like Watto and I'll be like, not by a long shot. And then people look at me like, the heck is wrong with him? Is he having a strength? <laughs> I'd be like, friend? My ears are broke up. <laughs> One of us. Um, I use it's working, it's working way yes. too much. Oh, that's so good. Yes, yes. And the I, I, I use, I hope not, way more than I should, probably oh. should. Just like that. Um, but rewatching it, I watched I watched this again this past week. Um, I watched it in chunks so that I could kind of like really take some good notes, which hopefully I'll be able to post online. You guys can all read the the commentary. Of, I don't know why you would want to, but you can. Um, yeah, mine too. There are um, <laughs> two lines. Two lines that really stood out as pretty impactful this time that I don't think I, I really paid much attention to was when Qui Gon Jin says, "We'll handle this," and just walks oh, right through yeah. the crowd. That's really kind of so like badass. That moment of him knowing exactly what he's supposed to do, and he's just like, I know what my job is today. And I feel like Mm -hmm. in that moment, he knows there's a really good chance he's not getting out of this alive. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, my God. Because Maul kicked his butt so bad. Okay, okay. (laughs) Oh, no. No, no, no. no. We've got to let you finish. (laughs) Both of you are right. and Both of you are wrong. Um, (laughs) 
but they did fight on Tatooine. Darth, you know, Maul caught Qui-Gon Jinn completely off guard and really, really put him into the ground and, and, and would have won that fight if the ship hadn't taken off at just the right time. Um, mm-hmm. The Jedi had not fought the Sith for a thousand years. They've Correct. only had each other to, to spar against. So there's a really good chance that they haven't been in life or death situation in lightsaber combat ever. You know, Qui-Gon Jinn has probably never even seen a red lightsaber um, mm-hmm. in his entire training. So he probably walked right straight through them knowing that he, he wasn't going to make it out. And I feel like his only job at that moment was to make sure Obi-Wan made it out alive. Mm-hmm. I think it's a moment of recognition for Qui-Gon to say, you know what, if I believe that Obi-Wan was really ready to take the trials, then I can feel confident that we've got to go out of this full throttle and he might make it out and I may not. And that's, that's pretty, that was pretty impressive. And all of that kind of in, in three small words is pretty cool. But the, the last line that stood out to me this time, and I really like it. It's not good. It's not a good <laughs> line. Like, and I say that not because it's poorly done or anything like that, but it's not a good thing for this to be true. But when Yoda says, see through you, we can, mm-hmm. that's really scary. Um, yeah. You've got yeah. a room of 12 grown, mature, expert users of the force yep. um, endlessly probing a nine-year-old boy um, with no one standing beside him, no one Help. to advocate on his behalf. And, and Yoda puts it out there and says, I can see straight through you. Um, that's terrifying to think about. Um, and even like when Qui-Gon is standing in the middle of the room, you know, you can tell that there's more going on than simply what they're saying to each other. Mm-hmm. And he's at least equipped and trained and probably used to that kind of mental combat with those guys. But for yeah. Anakin to have to be subjected to that is 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 really something scary. And it's encapsulated in that line. And, and it's it's unbelievable because he never Yoda's never like that with Luke. Yeah. He's never yeah. that rough, that blunt to say, you are worthless. And that's really what he's telling Anakin. It's like, you are nothing. And it's, your fate is really up to us. Ugh, yeah. No, it's so chill. freaking harsh. Yeah, But I like that. I like, I, I like that. Because it, it, yeah. it, it's, it's both really, really scary, but it also clearly defines who the Jedi are in that moment. To say, we know exactly what we're capable of, and I'm not afraid to show you. And that's that's possible yeah. for you know, pop it. Very interesting. Yeah, I also like. I really love that scene because it shows just you know this is the beginning of the end for Anakin. It really is. You can see how this is all going to go so terribly wrong. You know, with yeah. them under their really tutelage. I mean, but I, has but I like hate how, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Said how pure that Anakin really is, and it's like, dude, no. Underneath, mm-hmm. Anakin's got some roiling anger issues, and really, the Jedi Council. Of the, is the first group to really earn it. Well, it's um, like, it's like, sorry, I was going to say that like, you know, that, that anger, you know, that he has and that, and that fear, these are natural human emotions to have. You know, Padme makes that clear in the next movie, but she says to be angry is to be human. You know, the point isn't to not have these emotions. It's to learn how to deal with them, the balance hell. them. Right. Yeah. Balance, yeah. right? Hello. And, and live with them. Exactly. So you know, for, for the Jedi to look at him in this moment, just a nine-year-old boy, and be all like, you have failed already just for having the emotions you were born with. 
you know, like that. Wow. In their mind, in wow. their counsel's mind, they're mm-hmm. doing what they exactly should be. Because, like, because you know, the next thing in all of their brains is like, that's why we have the rules. That's why we say he's too old because he's already been tainted and we haven't been able to stamp those things out from, from an infancy. So it's mm-hmm. only reinforcing in their mind this, this, this mentality of kidnapping kids and raising them in their own image. Yep. It's so harsh. It's, it's the worst, you guys. It really is. <laughs> Jedi <laughs> sucks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, Katie, let's swing to you. What is your number two greatest thing about Phantom Menace? Oh my gosh. I'm gonna I'm gonna go right for um when those hangar doors open and Darth Maul looks yes. up. Yes. Oh my gosh, when he looks up, his eyes, you guys, his eyes. They've his, seen things. Those eyes have seen things. They've seen <laughs> like right into my soul. That's that's how intense those eyes are. Just like maybe that's my number two is Darth Maul's eyes. <laughs> Just <laughs> they make this movie. <laughs> they, oh man! And then when like um you know when when the ratios close between him and, and Qui Gon Jinn, and there's all those like really intense close ups of Maul's face while he like paces back and forth. His eyes, they do things to me, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they do things to me. As a grown woman, but as a kid, like, uh, I remember just being like, I don't know, so captivated by him, by by how he moved, uh, kind of the, the way Brian talks about, you know, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn, like, you know, when, when you, you see something that resonates with you and you know you're going to keep it forever like it's Mm -hmm. it's very it's very formative these moments in fiction and for me um when when those when those doors close um the ray shields i mean and qui-gon jinn deactivates his lightsaber and and kneels down but maul just like keeps pacing that that moment like spoke to me in a very real way in a way that i didn't have words for when i was a kid but you know i i didn't need the words to understand what was happening on screen it spoke to an emotional truth in me um where qui-gon jinn had this calm and this certainty that I wanted. I saw something true about what I wanted, but in Maul, I saw something true about what I was. And, you know, that that very intense, very real thing. Yeah. You know, and yeah, it it touched me. It touched a very, a very real, you know, part inside of me, <laughs> inside, inside my well, heart and that's, emotionally. That's, that's actually my number two yeah. is the, the Ray Shield moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That, Same. And, and I think you put to words better than I, I possibly could have. I know for me, when I was watching this film at nine years old, uh, I grew up doing martial arts. Um, and I, I mean, I was in, in the martial arts dojo like three, four, five times a week, like as much as possible. And there, of course, is always the, you know, the the masters are making sure you understand, like you don't fight out of anger. Like yep. this is not something mm-hmm. you walk off, you know, onto the playground and be like, yo, look, I could whoop your ass. Like we are training you to be a weapon, You're right. but that weapon should only be used in, in defense, right? And so as someone who grew up and, and just like my natural tendency is to be more like Maul, to be more angry. And, and I do jump to those conclusions and to, to see Qui-Gon take that knee in the middle of a battle, like in the middle of the hardest battle he's probably ever faced. Like Drew said, he's never seen anything like this before. True. He has every reason to stand there with every muscle tensed and he just goes calm and just completely and utterly trusts the force. Um, and, and it just 
blew my mind. And and Katie, I think you put to word put it to words for the first time um, mm-hmm. I've ever really been able to is like Maul is kind of where we're at uh, to some extent, and Qui Gon is is where maybe we want to be going um, yeah. in terms of like the kind of person. We yeah, for be. me, yeah. for me, it was specifically that that feeling of being trapped. You know, both Maul and, and Qui Gon Jinn are, are trapped in this moment, and and Qui Gon just lets it wash over him. But for Maul, that that sense of like, if I wasn't trapped, if I could just get free, you know, you you, I, I'm gonna mess you up, you know, yeah, just he's, that he's the tiger yeah, facing in his cave. That tiger, that's exactly it. Yeah, and I, you know, would just get, I would rewind that scene. Like I'm just like a little kid. Imagine me, like this little kid sitting in front of my VCR, in front of you know, in front of my. TV, like just hitting the rewind button and watching that scene over and over because it was speaking to something like true and I wanted to understand it. You know, it really is like, you know, when you go to the zoo and you see that tiger and you understand kind of like that primal, you know, you understand this creature in, in a way that you you just can't communicate with words, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for it's, sure. Uh, it's real That's good. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. So Brian, let's circle around to you and your number two uh, or second one that you're going to talk about that are your favorite moments of phantom menace oh boy (laughs) we're getting to the good stuff well so this whole time i've been trying like i know what i want to say but i'm like how do i make this less than three days long Um, (laughs) (laughs) oh man hit me hit me every time so so i mean with your permission i'd like to go in go for Um, it (laughs) um i agree with both of you um that the the moment with qui-gon uh taking the taking this time in between the barriers like that was what it so i don't know exactly what it was that drew me to qui-gon but like from the very beginning first time i saw him in the movie theater it just something clicked you know what i mean and um every word that he said throughout the movie i was like wow okay that wow it's like he's talking to me he's talking to me i'm gonna save this for later save this for later and uh you know I, i've said before that like to me qui-gon was the jedi who did it right in a time when everyone else was about the rules in the books, Qui-Gon was listening to the Force, which is why he's the first Jedi in a thousand generations to become one with the Force and maintain his identity. Like, he, he figured something out, you know what I mean? And to see the, the pure faith that Qui-Gon had throughout the whole movie, throughout his life, um, it really comes to a head in this moment here. You know, it, it's like... There's many reasons why Qui-Gon lost this fight. If we want to get into age and whatever, but beside the point, um, when he when he get, when he's got this moment here, the barriers are there, and he doesn't even like think about it for a second. He immediately is like, okay, turns the lightsaber off. Like Qui-Gon doesn't test the gate. Maul does. You know what I mean? Mm, the second it's closed, he's like, all right, and he gets right down and he goes, all right, and it's it's not even like he's not there anymore for that moment. He, he centers himself. He becomes one with the force right there. And it's like, all right, whatever's about to happen, I'm surrendering myself to it. And I did martial arts growing up as well. And like, that's what you want to be. Like, that's the ideal place to be in your mind. Like, don't fight angry because when you're enraged, you're not thinking about it. You know what I mean? You want to be here. You want to be clear minded and, and do your job, you know? And like, that is the ideal uh, Jedi right there, in my opinion. Like someone who is at the will of the Force, but also ready for when that gate opens, Qui-Gon presses the attack. He doesn't wait for Maul to come to him. He goes to Maul. You know, and like this whole scene here is just Qui-Gon from the very beginning. Like you said, it's a great moment. Doors open, Qui-Gon's like, we got this. 
You know, like everyone get out of the way. I've fought this guy before. It's game time. This this only ends one way, you know. And to see the scene progress, uh, the backhand is a highlight. Um, and, and then to and then to just to have this, it's it's one of the most powerful scenes in all of Star Wars, in my opinion. Just the the pure surrender to the moment, which is what he's talking about the whole time. Well, like one of his first lines in the movie, you know, Obi Wan's like, "I have a bad feeling about this," and he's like, you know. Be mindful of the future, but not at the expense of the moment. Yeah. And we see Qui-Gon yeah. be so utterly in the moment at this time that when those gates open, it's full surrender to whatever's about to happen. And that was so powerful to me as a kid because uh, I'm the type of person where like sticking to my guns is not something I'm great at. Uh, uh, like if I I'll, I'll have something like if I truly believe in it is what it is. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, it's not for everybody. It's whatever. Qui-Gon doesn't do that. Like, Qui-Gon goes head-to-head with the council regularly to where even his own Padawan's like, you know, if you could just not. For- <laughs> not again. Like, just not today. Take a, take a week just, off. Know, just a week. And, it, and Qui-Gon literally is like, I'll do what I must. <laughs> and Obi-Wan's like, you don't have to is my point. And Qui-Gon's like, you don't get it, Obi-Wan. I really, really do. <laughs> so, like, just this, the example that Qui-Gon set uh, for me in all of these different moments, from the uh, your focus determines your reality to the the implementation of that idea um, was huge, 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 huge. So that moment of meditation before acceptance of whatever's on the other side of that ray shield uh, is definitely uh, a highlight. And I, for, there's I a mean. there's a lot of connection to Obi Wan and in New Hope, right? Um, absolutely and, and so absolutely. that's really powerful too but i think it's more powerful mm-hmm. with qui-gon because he he's sitting there longer and there's i mean a lot of us kind of went into phantom menace knowing what was going to happen um you know with qui-gon and everything but at least for him there's a longer moment of not knowing what's going to happen as soon as obi-wan lifts his lightsaber up he knows what's going to happen but like you said qui-gon is there exactly. completely and utterly and he's looking at his adversary in the face yeah. you know what i mean it's not like there's a wall there where they like get a minute to not be staring at darth maul looking down on you pacing just waiting <laughs> yeah. to pick a bite out of you you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's scary stuff. And he they've can, been fighting for like, a long time. Like open invitation to take a bite off. <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> just standing, standing invitation. Sam Whitward, just so, so you know. Weird. Ray Park, <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> exactly. Uh, 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 Sam Park, just, just not Sam Park. Sam Whitward, just come whisper in my ears, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right, Drew, let's go back to you before this turns into Katie's fan fiction with Darth Maul on the Clashing Xavier podcast. <laughs> Oh, you want my Darth Maul fan fiction? All right. <laughs> let, me get, let me get out of notebook here. All right. Turn it to page uh, one. Here we are. <laughs> Darth Maul um, took his shirt off. His shirt was already off. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't have clothes at all in her story. He's lines now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Drew, go ahead. What's your number one? Well, I, mean, I hate to I hate to be a broken record uh, about things here, but um, you know that Qui Gon Jinn guy is pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> we he's are. Right. He's okay. We he's not much with a lightsaber, but he's okay. Okay, you know what? <laughs> you know what? When, when we are done with our number ones, we need to talk. <laughs> um, I mean, everything you guys have said has, is is definitely kind of the highlights and, and the impact is clear. I think um, he's probably the best character in the whole film. He's the most interesting. He's the most well-acted. 
Um, he's the most entertaining to watch. He has actual emotions. He makes decisions. He develops relationships. Mm -hmm. He, you know, he has, there's not a ton of growth in his character. He doesn't change, but that's okay because Ryan, like you had said, he's kind of that pinnacle of what we, he's that idealized what every, every person really wants to aspire to be their own person, independent and yet willing to be part of a team. Um, Almost, you know, it's almost too much. You know, there's, <laughs> there's so much father figure in him. It's like even if you had a good relationship with your dad, you'd walk out of the Phantom Menace going, "Why couldn't you be like him?" You that know, me. <laughs> yeah, we, all, we all wanted to have Qui Gon Jinn. And, and and one thing to just keep in mind, and and this is where the old man Drew comes out and you know, <laughs> shakes his cane at people, um, is that nobody's perfect. And that I feel like there are imperfections even in Qui Gon. Um, sure. I think some some of those are are visible, and, and he. But the difference is that he is aware of those things. Um, yes, he understands kind of where the lines are. You can see kind of like he has a small bag of tricks that he likes to rely on. He likes to use the 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 mind control, the yeah. the, the mind uh, trick on boss Nass, he uses it again on Watto and it doesn't work. And when he does it, when it doesn't work on Watto, he's got nothing. And he's, yep. it, he just, he bounces from the scene pretty quick. He's like, all right, I need a new plan. Cause clearly this didn't work. Mm-hmm. And there's a reliance there. There's kind of a comfortable nature where he's kind of come to, he, he has a groove and he sits in it pretty well. Um, but he's willing to understand that when his groove doesn't work, it's time to find a new way around the situation and a new way through the problem. And, and I, I like that a lot. Um, I think that's uh, he's definitely something that stood out this time. Th- this review is is I try to pay attention to not just how the craft of how the movie was made, you know, the editing and and the the plot lines and the through lines and everything. But there's there's kind of this ongoing question about who is the protagonist in this movie? Like who's the main character? Is it Anakin? Is it Padme? Is it Palpatine? Who's the driving force between everything that happens? And I think this time around, it's got to be Qui Gon Jinn. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's the driving force behind all of the action. I think you can cut out a lot of stuff. Um, on Nebu at the beginning of the movie and you don't lose anything. I think you could start the movie with their arrival on Tatooine and it'd be just as good. Um, I, that's really it. He's he's the strongest part of this movie and uh, I wish he had survived. I wish he had made it through in order to play a bigger role. You know, kind of like, you know, Brandon, you, you and I have talked about the hero's journey a lot. And when you get to that stage of, you know, kill your gods where your mentor fails you and that's a pivotal moment in your life, Anakin barely gets there. Yeah. I mean, it's not fair to him. He really gets cheated out of the Joseph Campbell timeline because he doesn't have enough. T- he develops a relationship with Qui-Gon too fast, like too fast, A, within the movie and B, within human relationships. He latches onto him as the only father figure he's got. Um, and he's so dependent upon him and he, he puts so much of identity and stock in him that there's a, there's a scene, which I don't think was in the original cut, but it was on the DVD that I watched where when they first arrive on Coruscant and Padme and the Queen are going to jump on the speeder, but Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon hang back, Anakin looks at him mm-hmm. with his eyes and says, what do I do? And, and Qui-Gon's like, go ahead, go, go with the girl. That's fine. Yeah, yeah he like, like motions. It's, it's so cute. Adorable. I love it. Great. The little fingers. But, but it, it speaks to an immediate connection, which is borderline unhealthy. Um, because 
It really, well, I mean, you think about this, think about this man swoops in who you've never, you, you don't know anything about. You've heard stories about people like him and he mm-hmm. whisks you away. Like Anakin is living the fairy tale dream. So I understand why he, he makes that connection, but we have to be, I think we should be kind of critical to say that kind of a connection that fast is unhealthy. And that should be a red flag to the council to say, this is an unstable kid to begin with. He doesn't have stability. And it, with, you know, as Uncle Ben taught us, with great power comes great responsibility. So, I mean, Yoda's not terribly far off when he says, danger I sense in this training. True. He's not wrong, but, you know, everybody could have handled the situation a little bit better. Hindsight being twenty twenty, what it is. Um, it's, it, it, Qui-Gon, I think, was kind of aware of those things, and yet he knew what he had to do. He was like, hey, we got to get through this, and we're going to make it work. And if he had survived that fight with Darth Maul, I think the universe would have turned out to be a completely different place. Yeah, I think totally the one oh, yeah. the one big yep. misstep that they, they had with Qui-Gon, I think, comes in the later films um, when we hear his voice, but it's not made clear that he was... He did become one with the Force, right? So, like us as diehard mm-hmm. Star Wars fans like we've watched the Clone Wars 17,000 times and we know you know how important Qui-Gon yeah, is to, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> to the overarching story <laughs> but I think if you you're just watching that as a, as a casual viewer you just interpret it differently you don't necessarily understand that he's not a force ghost but he's still a part of the force mm-hmm. and things like that so there for, is now for now yeah right to, to, to tap into that <laughs> To tap into that, Brandon, there is a lot. If you watch episode one in the frame framework of a person who has never seen Star Wars before, there is way too much information this movie expects you to know um, in order to make any kind of sense at all. There's no explanation for a lot of stuff that we as Star Wars fans take for granted that if you were to sit down and watch this movie and you didn't watch the other three movies left and right 14,000 times, you just simply didn't have your homework done. And there's no way you're going to keep up with this film. I can agree with that. Same for Rogue One. Like, Rogue One's really good. I think Rogue One's way worse. If you read no, Catalyst... Like, no, you, I actually got to see Rogue One with someone who had never seen a Star Wars. Like, she was coming with a group, you know, because everybody else knew Star Wars. And she was just all like, yeah, coming, coming to hang out. And she walked out of that movie like, I didn't understand a damn thing. Like, she didn't, it took her until, like, until Galen's message to understand that the little girl at the beginning of the movie was, was Jin, was, was the same woman who then, know. you know, like, uh, is in the cell. Yeah, okay. I, I look at it like, like well, she didn't, she didn't understand what was up with Vader, like, what was going on there, like, and yep. what the force was, yep. like, why does this guy have a laser sword? Why is he choking this other about- dude? Like and when Leia shows up at the end, like she's so lost. The Phantom Menace in the first thirty seconds of the film. All of those things. I don't. No explanation. I don't think the Phantom Menace asks any more of audiences than it did in you know nineteen seventy seven with with A New Hope, you know, or Star Wars, as it was, you know, like in the first thirty seconds, you're just all like, wait, the custodian of what? Who's the janitor? Okay, and this girl's a princess. (laughs) She's. What's I mean, going I think, on? And I the, think episode four definitely has more exposition where they'll talk sure. about the Imperial Senate will have none of this. Like episode one very much just leaves it be. Uh, I think Rogue One only because like if you've read Catalyst, if you read Catalyst and then you watch Rogue One, Rogue One is a night and day different movie. Because oh, yeah. there's so much Catalyst adds to the movie uh, that you don't get any of that 
by watching the movie. Like specifically the first five minutes with like Lyra on the farm, that the line where Krennic says like, oh, Lyra, troublesome as ever, that line carries so much weight if you've read Catalyst. Whereas if you haven't done your homework, it's just a line like, oh yeah, he finds her annoying. Yeah. Cause you know, like that's, that's the thing with a lot of the new canon is like, if you've done your homework, you're getting a totally different experience and they're able to do that with everything kind of, uh, fitting. Yeah. You're not yeah. wrong. Absolutely. You know, that is a hundred percent true that if you have all that ancillary material in mind, when you're watching these things, it's a different experience. But Ro- I think that rogue one stands on its own a lot stronger than the phantom menace does. Like there is so really? much. More. I really do like, cause because well, just like the example that you use, oh, troublesome as always. I mean, you can understand what that line means without having background knowledge. Just like you had said, he finds her annoying. So they have a history. You know, mm-hmm. he and Galen have worked together, and she's caused him problems in the past. That's all you need to know for that scene. Sure, That's perfectly I agree with that. Acceptable, and 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 there's nothing that you lose f- without having the the additional information that Catalyst has. But again, Phantom Menace. Think about all the things that happen right away. You hear. Not only the Force, but you have Jedi Knights, you have the Supreme Chancellor, and that's I can understand that those are fine. But then, like you, like Katie said, you have lightsabers. What are those? What's that droid? Why is a droid using a contraction when they should be speaking proper grammar? That's not fair. <laughs> and all those kinds of things in the very beginning of the film are, are very. I would imagine again. This is me speaking about somebody who I don't even know if they exist. Somebody who has no idea what a lightsaber is. Have we met yeah. anybody like <laughs> well, that? Well, see, and I think that's part <laughs> of it is that like it was so ingrained in the culture will, at this point. Like people who were going to see it are yeah. going to know whether whether they. But there are moments. There are really cool moments in the Phantom Menace where that is subverted. Where, um, like, think about the line where where Qui Gon Jinn at the very beginning says these these Trade Federation types are cowards. Okay. Yeah. We know that's true because he says it, but the very next scene is where they say the two of them are arguing, saying, I'm not going in there. Send a droid. That scene <laughs> demonstrates what Qui-Gon Jinn said. And so yeah. you could have actually eliminated the line and still Wait, gotten across the same the- characterization. I thought that I thought you were saying that was cool and that was something that you liked. What I I've, I've gotten lost in the weeds here. Cool. What it, what is the part of this that you like? I thought this was supposed to be the thing that you liked. I I like the demonstration <laughs> of the characterization, and, and I like those moments more when you don't have all of the explanation and exposition to go along with it. So how do I tie those two things together? Rogue One demonstrates it in a positive message when Krennic says, troublesome as always, because you can demonstrate by the interaction that they have a history without it being explicitly spelled out. It, by so comparison a, and contrast, so in this Phantom is a, Menace, it's duplicative. It's a compliment sandwich. Is <laughs> I, I see what you mean. I, okay. I, ultimately, a, Rogue One better than Phantom Menace is what I'm trying to say. Okay, so the thing you like most about the Phantom Menace is that Rogue One is better. Oh, no. We're way better. Yes. I'll take it. Okay. The best thing about Phantom Menace is Rogue One. <laughs> it makes sense. Just go with it. <laughs> we'll take what we can get. <laughs> we, I, you know, we can't. No, no, no. I think if we started out on me jumping on the Qui Gon Jinn bandwagon, and because I have to pick a fight about something, I had to. Yeah, I had to go take a deep. It wouldn't be clashing <laughs> sabers unless Drew picked a fight about something. There's That's, a reason it's clashing exactly. sabers and not kindly sit next to <laughs> cooperative, cooperative sabers. sabers. I enjoy the cooperative yeah. sabers. Oh, that is fair. All right, Katie, let's jump to you. Whatever could your number one be? Um, you know what? 
I'm, I'm going to get all introspective and I'm going to be all like Brian, all like, how do I make this last shorter than, than three days? Good I don't, luck. I don't know, but let's see, let, you know, wish me luck and let's see how far we get. I'm going to say boss that next. my boss next. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. I don't know how to do it. <laughs> no, my favorite part of the Phantom Menace is uh, the Rebels episode, Twin Sons. Ooh. Okay. Whoa, wait a minute. Yeah. I so, like it. So, okay. A bit of context here. On December 12th, 2018, so very recently at the Did time you? of this recording, yeah, um, <laughs> uh, there was a new issue of Age of the Republic, that Star Wars comic, and it yep. featured Darth Maul. At the very back of the comic, there was uh, an editorial literally titled uh, Darth Maul Gone Too Soon or, or something to that effect, which, and, and then it talked about how Darth Maul was utterly wasted in the Phantom Menace and, you know, gone before <laughs> people could could truly enjoy him, which is the coldest take about Darth <laughs> Maul. That, that, that take is 20 years old. That, that take has been sitting in the fridge for 20 years. It's that cold. Like, what Darth Maul was <gasps> underutilized? Oh my <laughs> god, you're blowing my mind here. No one's ever thought that. Before. No, sorry. Anyway, <laughs> you can. That's fine. You can still mourn what could have been if Darth Maul had lived. But I enjoy what has happened since Darth Maul died in 1999. I agree. All, yes, all of that. <laughs> All of that culminating in the Rebels episode, Twin Sons, which is, of course, not to say that Darth Maul's character ends there, because, of course, he's not. You know, we then saw him in the Han Solo movie, and there's so many more stories to tell with Maul. But Twin Sons could not have happened if not for the end of The Phantom Menace. And the the end of The Phantom Menace now means a lot more to me that I've seen Twin Sons, because Twin Sons answers the question to me, of why Darth Maul survived when Obi-Wan cut him down. And it answered a question that I had where, how come Obi-Wan was allowed to give in to the dark side in that moment and be so angry at this monster that cut down his master and, and you know, just tap into that rage and cut him down and then everything's fine. You know, how, how come Obi-Wan gets to do that, but literally no other Jedi gets to do that? What makes Obi-Wan so gosh darn special? And what Twin Sons finally answered for me is that it, it was Obi-Wan's anger when he cut down Maul that allowed Maul to live. Ooh. Because... Um, you read. Right. Yeah, in the Clone Wars, when Maul comes back, the little, like, fortune cookie thing, the little title at the, at the beginning of the episode says that um, old enemies will rise again. The only truly vanquished enemy is one turned into a friend. And so, you know, then in that episode, we literally see, like, oh, where's Maul been? That, that cut, that anger, you know, when Obi-Wan killed him out of rage, couldn't put him down. You know, Maul's own anger and, and need for revenge allowed him to endure in some horrible, horrible way. And so then when we get to Rebels, I'm like, why is this cut any different? How come Obi-Wan, you know, stabbing Maul with a lightsaber all over again? Why does that have any different result? And that's because Obi-Wan's in a different place and he's not cutting out of anger. He's not acting out of anger. And then Maul on his part is in a very different place. 
and he's able he's able to die because you know he he asks Obi-Wan is is he the chosen one and Obi-Wan says he is he gives Maul a sense of closure he gives Maul a sense of hope that yes there is a chosen one balance will be restored to the force and your master who tormented you will die whether whether Sidious likes it or not the balance will be restored to the force because there is a chosen one and Maul gets nothing more than less than to believe that he gets a little sense of hope and then he dies because the you know that he was finally that enemy that became a friend or as close to friends as Obi-Wan and Maul could ever really get and that is so important and that's such a good story and it's so perfectly Star Wars that I I I hate to say it I'm glad that Maul died at the Me end too. of the Phantom Menace yeah. so, you know not yeah not in like a, <laughs> oh yay he's gone but when like, it opened you know, up when people are like yeah, when, the way it opened up and the way, you know, when people are all like, oh, Maul was wasted in The Phantom Menace. I'm all like, yeah, but look what they did with it. Look where it went. It's so good, you guys. It's so good. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. And, um, and he and wouldn't I, have really, yeah. like, he wouldn't have fit in in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, you know? like, mm-hmm. it, And so mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. the way that he has been utilized is is absolutely perfect. And I also think that, like, the fact that Dave Filoni, uh, not just Dave Filoni, but that one person in particular has been able to tell the bulk of his story, I think um, also is really important because you get the the one clear vision for him um, that, that runs mm-hmm. throughout the whole thing, even mm-hmm. though you're seeing them in different mediums, you're seeing them in comics, you're seeing it in the shows. And, uh, you know, um, I'm sure if more mall or when more mall comes uh post solo you you're definitely going to have dave filoni's input on that so i think that's really good oh sir brian let oh yeah you can you can really feel I'm no sorry, no no go for it go thing. for it you can really you can really you can feel the narrative through line you know that that goes from mall from the phantom menace through the clone wars and through rebels um you can really tell that Dave Filoni and George Lucas sat down and talked about this yeah. character. Of course, Dave has famously said that, you know, George just came to him one day and said, oh, Darth Maul's going to be alive. And Dave was like, how? And George was like, oh, you're going to figure that out. I think, <laughs> you know? but, but you really get the sense that Lucas had an idea of why this character is com- coming back. You know, why, why didn't Obi-Wan's cut kill him and then where this character was going to go and how it was going to end for those two old rivals, you know, Obi-Wan and Maul. Of course, it was going to come back to them. You you really get that sense. And and I and I do feel like like it came from George. I feel it really strong. Well, and I'm Agreed. I'm watching uh Avatar the Last Airbender for the first time right now. Oh, and I'm, God, I'm, dude. I'm That's another good show. It's very good. It's very yeah. good. But, you know, I, I got into watching it just because of the Dave Filoni connection and I've heard everybody talking about it and everything and so I'm I noticed you know like a lot of things that came into Clone Wars and Rebels as I'm watching this show but one thing in particular is just Dave's ability um with villains and and to make them sympathetic but also make you hate them at the same time where you're you're so confused about exactly where you sit with this villain. And that's a lot of Maul's story, you know, because you have him doing terrible e- deeds, but he also looks like a badass. But then there's, you know, the moment he's sad about his brother dying and you're like, oh, man, like it, there's it's, it's an odd emotional connection, I think, that we have with Maul as someone who is purely run by rage and hate. Um, and, and like you said, Katie, it's yeah. that 
the fact that that he did die and then stayed alive with that rage and hate and was able to come back. I think it's really powerful. Yeah, yeah he. It, it's a weird emotional connection because you look at him and you see where he's been and, and his circumstances and you can't, at least I can't honestly say that I wouldn't have done exactly what he does. You know, like I, I'm not sure I could have done better. You yeah. know, that's why it's so sad. And that's why it's so tragic because you're just all like, man, given those same like terrible circumstances, I don't know. I don't know if I could have... Uh, could have come out the other side. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Brian, let's swing over mm-hmm. to you and your number one. I feel like a radio announcer. All right. That. Number one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. The traffic is brought to you by. Um, I so I'm gonna I'm gonna not say a Qui Gon moment. Curveball. <laughs> I know because because I've got 15 and I don't know how to pick. Um, so. Uh, there's a whole other podcast you can listen to if you want more of that. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to say another one of my favorite things in episode one is the design of everything revolving around Naboo. Oh, so much. Because Whoa. my favorite Star War- my favorite starship in all of Star Wars is the J-Type 327 Nubian Star Cruiser. I just, the, the Royal Starship, it just looks so cool. And then you find out that it has no weapons on it because the Naboo are a peace-based society. And then I love the design of the Naboo Starfighter. Like my mouse pad right now is the Naboo Starfighter. Uh, and just oh, Doug, that's so Doug, cool. like Doug Chang is like incredible. And uh, I just, yeah, the, the, the blaster that Padme has is the coolest thing ever. Just everything about the aesthetic of Naboo, I'm just really, really, really into. Have you so, seen the, um, the Freemaker Adventures? I have not, but I've seen the Naboo stuff in it. Okay, well, <laughs> so, uh, on YouTube, you, you 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 should you should watch it. Particularly, there's one episode where Vader ends up flying uh, the Naboo uh, starfighter, and yep. goes back to Anakin. Really? That it's so oh, yeah, it's so funny. it's bonkers, it's crazy, <laughs> it's so so well done. Like it's just enough over the top where it's funny, but also just it's it's great. It's really cool. That's a that's a good show. If you if you haven't checked that one out, it's it's worth your time. It's a fun show. Um, Sweet. So anybody yeah, else have anything the, on how be, awesome the design of Naboo stuff is? Because yeah. it's pretty great. Yeah. Oh, my heart feels so warm right now. <laughs> right? Naboo is like my fa- <sighs> my my wallpaper for my computer for the last like fifteen years has been Naboo. It's like the shot of Theed above the cliffs and yes. the little spaceport at the bottom. Ah, oh, and all the waterfalls. Like yes, as long as I've had computers, that has been my desktop wallpaper. Nice. I love so it. I love. I just everything everything about Naboo. This like the design of the buildings, like the chairs, Padme's entire wardrobe. Uh, when she's like the just the the Queen Amidala, you know the the mm-hmm. red the red uh, uh, line on the bottom uh, bottom of her lip that like signifies the suffering of her people at that time, and like yeah. just everything Nebu is a uh, is 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 my moment. That's kind of my Did go to you know? uh, like planet when people are like, "What planet on in Star Wars would you want to go to?" Nebu is kind of like oh, yeah. my go to. Same, yeah, same, same, same. Did you know it, when she's like wearing that red dress with the you know with like the big orange orbs on the bottom and she and she's looking out over her over her uh, you know people? Mm-hmm. Did you know that Natalie Portman has to like stand on a car battery in that scene because no. that what? was the only way they could get yeah they could, they needed the the orbs to like light up and the only way to really power them was with a car battery. That is so. fantastic. <laughs> 
<laughs> so yeah, I'm just gonna like ruin that scene for you. <laughs> there That's you go. Amazing. <laughs> it's oh, like man. you know, oh Padme, she's so sad. Car battery. <laughs> <laughs> There's an outtake where the dress just goes on fire, and she's like, "What did I get myself into?" <laughs> no. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> oh man, good times. So I I will wrap us up. Um, I my number one. I was kind of between two things here. One of them, um, see, I'm going to cheat, Katie, in, in very much in Wampa's Lair fashion, give an honorable mention yes! because um, yes! the ancillary <laughs> books that go with this this movie, particularly the the journals that they had, they had like the Anakin's journal and Padme's journal and Maul's journal were oh, yes. revolutionary for me. They were so good because yeah. <laughs> it was it was then that I realized that like there were these universes and that like reading certain books would give me more information about the the movies that I was watching. And I always had this kind of like, whenever I would watch The Phantom Menace, I'd be like, I know what they're thinking right now. You know, because yes. like in the novelization, yes. it tells you what they're thinking. Like Obi-Wan during the fight. And it, it was kind of that like first like, I know more than other people thing. And it's kind of cool. It's oh, like, yeah. I'm part of a oh, secret yeah. club. I'm so mad. I'm so mad that most people don't know that Darth Maul fought pirates while he was on tattoos. Yes. The yes. fingers. The fingers. Yes. Yep. 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 So good. So that was my, that was one I was, was really tempted to pick, but sticking in the movie, um, for me, it's the line fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Um, oh, because, yeah. When this film came out when I was nine years old, it was like one of the most tumultuous times in my childhood. And I vividly remember like my school counselor and I meeting and she was like, you know, there was some stuff going on. She's like, well, are you angry about this? And I literally said to her, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. And I remember telling her that to this day and, and that that's how I wanted to live my life. Um, not always successful at it, as I think uh, most of us <laughs> probably can say. Um, but it is—it's one of those guiding lines um, for my life. But then, even if you look narratively, it, it's a tad heavy. But I think if you look across the whole prequels, how it foreshadows Anakin's journey, um, and and I think even more importantly than that, the one thing that gets lost in this line is that Yoda says this line to Anakin with regard to his mother. You know, because he's oh, the fear yeah. of losing his mother. And that's kind of the, the catalyst that gets sets his whole journey on. And then, you know, it's the I, I have the, the three strike series, uh, excuse me, theory that I've written some articles on. Um, and she's that first big strike for him. And then it's Ahsoka leaving and then Padme uh, dying that finally just sends him into a place where he he's so given up that he doesn't even want to die. He's just going to let the rage take over him. And it, and it starts in this moment. Um, and I, I just love it. I love it for personal reasons, narrative reasons. I think it just works really well. Love won't save you, Padme. Only my new powers can do that. It's a good one. It's a real good yeah. one. Nice work. All right. We so did it. We did, we did it, it, guys. <laughs> Yay, <laughs> Phantom Menace. <laughs> Everything that's wrong with it, go. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, nothing. <laughs> Number two, even less than nothing. <laughs> Number oh. three, too short. All of it. <laughs> Number five, it's only 20 years old and not 21 years old, so we can have it for an yeah. extra year in our lives. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um, Next year, the Phantom Menace can drink. Oh, finally. 
Oh, for real. This is going to be so cool when it can drink. <laughs> oh, we're going to hang out all the time. We already do. Let's be real. Yeah. Let's be real. Oh, man. <laughs> Maul just walking by that, that ray shield with a beer in his hand, holding the lightsaber yeah. one handed, twirling like, it around, oh, okay. showing off. Oh, man. Good time. So. <laughs> There's some there's some overlap between Qui-Gon Jinn and the dude. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Now you're getting it. <laughs> so uh, let's go around, and uh, I want to give you guys a chance to plug all the awesome stuff you're doing. So, Katie, oh, let's boy. go ahead and start with you. Uh, yeah. Just share with us what you're, what you're doing and where you're at on the interwebs. Who? Who? Katie. Yeah, who? Katie, Katie, sorry. Me, me first, yes. <laughs> Move, get out of the way. Brian, you have time to do your show notes. Go. Oh, yeah, God. there you go. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm All a Maverick, right. guys. <laughs> Maverick Jedi. Oh, I love it. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so my stuff to plug is, of course, my Twitter account, at Dameron. It's real good times over there. I try real hard to be funny for you guys. <laughs> I'm just always posting dumb memes and rants about the Phantom Menace. Mostly, mostly the Phantom Menace. Um, and then, of course, if you like my voice, I am on the Wampa's Lair podcast. Uh, you can find us um, at Wampa's Lair on Twitter, right? Yeah, that at Wampa's Lair. Yeah, there. at Wampa's Lair on Twitter, because I don't think it's at Wampa's Lair pod. Yeah, no, it's just at Wampa's Lair. Terrible co-host. <laughs> but no, we have lots of fun on the Wampa's Lair. Um, I'm there every week with my co-hosts, Carl and Jason, and they love everything Star Wars just like me. Um, they're also just huge prequel nuts, and we have really good times. So. Yeah. Yes, if, check us out. Do it. If you like anything that Clashing Sabers uh, does, you definitely have to go out and check the Wampa's Lair out because they were one of the many... Uh, podcasts and and sites that inspired uh what clashing sabers became so definitely go check them out uh brian oh that's great go ahead and uh give your stuff because you got a lot going on uh i mean who's counting uh well <laughs> first off uh, i think you said 40 40 earlier i think somebody is uh, counting. i did release 40 episodes of yeah. my personal show last okay. year uh anyway first off uh thanks for having me on here this was really really fun oh yeah guys. man it was a great time this was the first time we've all chatted and i had a blast uh, anyway, uh, time to plug. Uh, so I am Jedi Brian on everything, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't follow me, but if you're into that kind of stuff, you can. Uh, I am a co-host of the Dorky Diva Show. Very proud of that with Savannah Odit. She's like one of my favorite people in the whole world. We also have uh, usually diametrically opposed opinions on Star Wars, which is fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like it already. Oh, yeah, dude. It, yeah, you'll fit in just fine. Um, so, so there's that the dorky diva shows on iTunes. Um, I also have a personal podcast called the interesting podcast, uh, that if you're listening to this, I'm sure you'd enjoy it. It's a, uh, it's something I'm really, really passionate about and really proud, uh, to be able to do. I've had great people on there, uh, a bunch of creature performers from the new star Wars movies, a few ILM digital artists. I've had New York best time selling authors, John Jackson Miller, Claudia Gray, all the hits. Um, it's great, and I think you'll really enjoy it, and I'm really proud of it. So that is the interesting podcast. It's on iTunes and all that stuff. You'll see a cabbage with headphones as the logo. Um, <laughs> that's another time. <laughs> uh, yeah, and what else am I doing? Uh, I've got a Patreon-exclusive show called The Hype Show. That's uh, got a lot of new stuff coming there. A lot of uh, 
I don't. I should really keep track of stuff I'm doing. <laughs> that way I don't sound like an idiot. <laughs> what do you do? I don't know. A lot. Uh, I do yeah. stuff. Stuff and things. Stuff and things. Yeah, I do stuff and things. <laughs> uh, yeah. So but any no. of that, if you remember what I just said, there you go. <laughs> the interesting podcast is great, and and one of the things that's really awesome about it, if you haven't checked it out before, is like even if you're not a fan or familiar with uh, the particular work that the person has done, Brian just has a great job. Uh, does a great job of just making it like literally like you're just sitting down in a coffee shop, just having a good time talking with some friends or whatever. So, um, thank like, you, like, thank you. That means a lot. Yeah, we, uh, actually, you know, we had Randall Duke Kim on recently, who was uh, the voice of Ugwe from Kung Fu Panda. And I'm really proud of that show. Oh, so. That's awesome. Check yeah. that one out. Yeah. <laughs> Check them all out. Go subscribe to all the podcasts yeah, right now. Um, of yeah, course. thank you. Go ahead. If you if you do, let me know. Yeah. <laughs> let me know what you think. That's the weird thing about podcasting is like you I, – I mean, I don't know about you guys. You all have your own shows. Like I feel like I never hear anything back from people. Like you don't get like, hey, I listened to it. It was great. I'm like, I hope. <laughs> I feel like people are listening, but I don't know. So well, <laughs> if you yeah. do enjoy it. At Jedi Brian, let me know. <laughs> well, I'm telling you right now, Brian, they're really yes. good. They're really Which good. Which makes me really uncomfortable, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, I re- truly appreciate it. Cool. All right, Drew, you want to go ahead and give your stuff before I close this out? Uh, sure, Ken. Uh, let me first, before we do that, say, Brian, Katie, thank you guys so much for coming on and having a conversation with us. The, this has been a ball. Um, oh. hope we get to do it again soon. Yeah. Um, this would be great. We'll maybe find something else we could fight about. That'd be awesome. Um, <laughs> I'm on the Twitters at the Drew Brett. That's me. Uh, it's very, very clever. Um, I like to lurk in the Clashing Saber Star Wars community Facebook page. That's probably where I'm the most active on things. Um, we have conversations about what we've talked about, what we're going to talk about, or ridiculous things that are happening. And um, you can see Lindsay's posts and Mark is in there very often as well. So you get the whole gang together. Um, and it's a it's a great kind of nice, comfortable public place where we can all kind of hang out and be nerds together. So come join us on the Facebook page. Yeah, and um, we mentioned this on our most re- recent episode of Don't Burn the Sacred Text, but Lindsay and I are starting kind of a subgroup that's a a health and healthy lifestyle slash fitness slash Star Wars um, group, and it's very much a like a non scale victory like total life development group where um there's a chance to win prizes and stuff we are we're rewarding things not just like working out and eating your vegetables but like doing community service and spending time with your families and and becoming a a better holistic person uh very much in the vein of the jedi is what we were kind of thinking as we were creating this so if you want to jump on that kidnapping little kids yes (laughs) i mean it's like you do we're we're earning points and and I've got like you know a whole um, elementary school of kids I can kidnap and train to be Jedi. It'll be great. I'm gonna win. I'm, <laughs> That's a terrifying thing. I just heard you say. Okay, great. What? I can I'm edit that out, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm not gonna say I support it. <laughs> but to so the 14 mind. NSA agents who are listening in, he was kidding. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. So so um, so so I. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, so yeah, if you wanna if you wanna jump in on that group, we're gonna be starting it here in the next week or so. Uh, just come over to the uh, Facebook community and uh, write on that post or email us at clashingsabersnetwork at gmail That's where you can send all uh, questions you have, things you want us to talk about on the show. I really 
want uh, at some point in this year to take time and just do a, a whole email show um emails and tweets and things so please send yes. your questions that would be Ridiculous so much questions. fun we need them. all the the, the <laughs> craziest get get crazy with them um throw it throw us for curveball it'll be fun um you can follow us on twitter at clashing sabers and that is actually where you can see i'm going to post a picture here soon um our contest for this month we are having a giveaway in honor of the 20th anniversary of the phantom menace i have sitting in front of me a minton box qui-gon Jin figure uh, it's one of the for me, possibly. Always in motion <laughs> is the future. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is. It is one with the the Kenner card on the back, and uh, it's Qui Gon Jinn. So you definitely want it. So the way to win that is to just go over to iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast, leave us a, a rating and review, snap a quick picture of it, and just shoot it over to uh, Clashing Sabers Network at gmail.com. You can shoot us a DM on Twitter, um, over on our Facebook group, whatever you want to do. So. Um, and then we'll do a drawing at the end of the month and announce on our first episode of February, which we will be having Jason Hunt from the Wampus Lair podcast to talk about Attack of the Clones. So it's going to be a lot of fun because we're going to make oh! Drew talk about things that he likes about Attack of the Clones. Oh, so. he loves Attack of the Clones. I'm so excited. Yes, I was finally <laughs> able. To, I was finally <laughs> able to get in touch with him. It was. I was like really wanting to get him on for that episode and i hadn't heard back from him so i was starting to look other places and he finally messaged me back and i was like yes so oh that's so good Uh, because he he talks very passionately about the jack of the clothes it's always a good time so it's gonna be a lot of fun um if for those of you who are like Drew and don't want to talk about Attack of the Clones, we also have a lot of other stuff coming out. So just uh, if you click that subscribe button, you get all of our shows um, in the network. And there's something to love about all of them. Um, so just come hang out with us. Come tweet at us. But uh, Batch 8. Hi-ho! The podcast you just listened to and all other Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of ClashingSabers.net. All sounds and materials used from other creators is their stuff, and we just use different informational and educational purposes. Bottom line, we made it, it's ours, they made it, it's theirs. Seems simple, but if you're still confused, feel free to email us at ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com. We have no association with Lucasfilm, Disney, or any of the other fine companies that make all this stuff we talk about. But, Kathleen Kennedy, if you need anything, let me know. I work for cheap. Now let's blow this thing and get out of here. Force Ghost Qui-Gon Jinn with spider legs. Canon. Confirmed.